69 down, 296 to go. My name is Chris. This is At A Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Uh, had a great conversation with Jeff Bach about all things box office. Also going to be doing reviews of the movies Death on the Nile and After Yang. Before I go any further, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at poppedstores.com that has over 100 flavors available. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags. They have individually sized bags. That's what they sent me. They can do almost anything, any size. And best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors to try. Salt and vinegar, Chicago style, pizza, Italian cookie. They have peanut butter and fluff. Uh, The coconut custard is a huge hit at my house. Look, this is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies now that Concessions Month is over. If you go to popstores.com, that's P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com, and use the promo code MOVIESWITHCHRIS, C-H-R-I-S, all one word, you'll save 25% off your entire order. The website is poppedstores.com, and that promo code is MOVIESWITHCHRIS, C-H-R-I-S, all one word, 25% off. Go check out their flavors right now. Okay, I had a, like I said, I had a really great conversation with Jeff um, about all things box office. We talk what to expect over the next couple of weeks. Also, as April rolls in, there's a lot more new releases that are coming out. It looks like the box office is really going to start revving up once April begins, as long as we can kind of get through March. We even talk about Top Gun Maverick. Uh, like I said it, it was a really fun time talking with Jeff. Uh, and without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff with Jeff Bach, the senior box office analyst at Exhibitor Relations Company. But I found him on Twitter. I think he is the best movie Twitter follow you're going to find. Uh, it's at ERC Box Office. And Jeff talks about a lot of things we talk about in the show, which is, you know, what's what's coming out, what you kind of expect from the, the box office perspective. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chris. Absolutely. Uh, so right off the bat, the Batman is really the topic right now, I think, when it comes to box office and movies, and that's all anyone's really talking about. I think the Batman's probably going to be number one until at least March 25th. Do you disagree at all? No, no, absolutely. It is the only thing out there playing in theaters, and, and this was known for quite a while. You know, when we saw that release calendar come down the line and, um, you know, Morbius jump ship and and just what was left of the box office in March and turning red, pulling out, uh, which which honestly was kind of a big surprise. I think it was a shock to a lot of people. Um, we had known for a while that that movies are back and that people were pretty comfortable, even families going to theaters again. And the fact that uh, you know Disney kind of showed their their true colors, you know, basically propping up their streaming over the theatrical, and that's kind of been true of, of, of that company for a long time. Um, they really all are all about Disney and what works best for Disney. And if you follow along with Disney Plus, you know that they didn't have a very strong March schedule, right? So they needed something big, and that big thing turned out to be turning red. And unfortunately, you know, that that leaves the theatrical industry in a bit of a lurch this month. It really does. And it, it's kind of it's two elements there I think are really interesting. First off, Disney has screwed Pixar over now, what, like three times where it's ever since they've got they bought Pixar, I feel like they've been 
shuffling their stuff over to Disney Plus and not giving them a release. And I, I, I almost think at this point, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. Like, there's something behind that. Like, I, I just think that, like you said, they're Disney first. And, and it's really clear with how they're releasing those things. And the other element is just there's not any children's movies out there right now. Uh, I know like Cinemark does a thing where they'll have like older cartoons like Kung Fu Panda. I saw that one. Um, they've had a, a few other like cartoons from like 10, 15 years ago. I think just to have an option for families because there's nothing out there right now. Yeah. And, and just to your point, Sing 2 from Universal has been playing really well alongside Spider-Man the entire time. I think it's up to like past 140 million domestic, which is a really strong number, the strongest number that we've seen for an animated film, which is proof positive to me that families are willing to go back and turning red, you know, we, we probably would have seen an opening of 40 million at least this weekend for that film. Um, you, you need something to counterbalance these, these big superhero films. And we've seen it can work. You can have one super blockbuster and a couple regular blockbusters in theaters and it, and it will work. It will pay off for studios. So it is really surprising to see Disney not even turn course, even a little bit, even go a limited release, even 400, a thousand theaters. Um, people are fine with now day and date releases. Even theaters are fine. They'll still book your film. It was, you know, before the pandemic, if you even talked about going um, streaming, they would say, no, no dice. We're not playing your film. It is not that way anymore. You know, we all know the pandemic was an inflection point um, in, in how studio and theaters related to each other. And a lot of things changed. Um, so it wouldn't be it, I don't think it would be too out of left field for Disney to say even a couple weeks ago, say, hey, you know what? We're gonna give the people what they want. We're gonna give Pixar what they want. We're gonna, we're gonna release it in a thousand theaters. And everybody would have been fine with that, even if it is playing on D+. I totally agree. Like even a smaller movie like Marry Me, I know Marry Me, you know, it, it, it didn't do big numbers, but it turned a profit if you consider what they brought in for international. And then it's playing on Peacock. So there's an audience there for it. And no one seems like that, that is on Peacock and in theaters, but nobody's, nobody seems to care. Or if that had happened in 2018, a Jennifer Lopez yeah. own Wilson rom-com was on streaming in the theater at the same time. That would have been like the biggest show business news that year. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been. And that's just something that, you know, I think we've all grown accustomed to is seeing films um, debut day and date. And, and it's OK. Like the great thing about this, honestly, is that there is an audience out there that loves theatrical. And we know that now for a fact. And we also know that even if it is playing on streaming, people will still go to the movies and see it. And I think that the whole HBO X, Max Warner Brothers thing that happened was really interesting, gave a lot of insight into moviegoers and what they would pay to go see, even if it was, quote, unquote, free to them. Have any movies surprised you this year? So I, I think my biggest surprise as far as movies maybe that were released in 2022 has been Dog. Like Dog has made more money than I probably would have thought it would have made. I, uh, but as, I guess a positive surprise for you um, as opposed to the negative ones. Yeah, there's so many negative, there's a lot of negative ones, surprises. You know, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matrix, Resurrections, King Richard, all of the uh, Academy Award nominated films. I mean, just really, you know, kind of depressing box office moonfall. Um, but you're right. If we look at what is worth like Uncharted, you know, and a lot of the credit goes to Tom Holland and, and, and Mark Wahlberg. And honestly, just just a film that really plays off that Indiana Jones vibe really well. Um, you may not love it. It may not have 
the intricacies that those films had in terms of screenwriting, but it's still a crowd pleaser. And it shows that audiences will show up, like you said, dog. Um, you know, it's that's sort of a lost genre, right? The the, the uh, animal comedy adventure, right? Disney used to put out those every month, it seemed like back in the day. Um, and, and nobody's really picked up the slack. So there are places for MGM UA, Lionsgate, Sony, even though they don't have a lot of the superhero films per se, and they're not going to have huge blockbusters, there's still a way to make your mark in this industry, these mid-level to low-budget films that really appeal to audiences like, like a family-friendly dog film um, that, that the major studios, they just aren't putting out anymore with any regularity. Yeah, and they're relatively cheap to make too. I mean, you know, Dog's going to definitely make a profit. And it, yes, is it going to, you know, is it is the deer hunter? No, but is it something <laughs> that's going to bring in a little money? Isn't that kind of what the whole point of it is? Especially in this in this COVID, you know, uh, reduced box office market here. That the fact that it can turn a profit is is pretty impressive. Um, okay, so there's two movies so far have come out in 2022 that have hit 100 million. You got the Batman and Uncharted. Both actually did it last weekend. Um, What's next? What's the third movie? Is it going to be the Harry Potter one? Or are we going to see something maybe before that that could potentially? I, I mean, I think we'd all like to see, um, you know, Morbius open really strong. And I think it will. You know, I just think what Sony has done with their Marvel content is really impressive. It has turned them into a, a question mark, into a major player again. You know, and, and unfortunately, in this day and age, that's what it takes. It takes having superhero films or like Universal. They got dinosaurs and Fast and Furious and those and Minions. And those are their superheroes. They've kind of created them themselves. But that's what they have going for them outside of, you know, Venom and the Spider-Man. Before that, Sony didn't really have anything. They were grasping at straws, you know, and so it is impressive to see what they've done. I think Morbius is going to continue that tradition, whether they add some new elements to it. And maybe that's the reason that they pushed it back is to, to add that connective tissue uh, to the lineage there. I also think Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has a great shot at 100 million. So when we look at April, you get pretty excited because you do have, like you said, Fantastic Beasts. We'll probably get there. A lot of people are are kind of turned off by by what J.K. Rowling is doing and saying, and and honestly, just the fact that it's so far removed from what the Harry Potter universe is, the Wizarding world. Um, Warner Brothers will no doubt doubt go back to that, but they're going to finish off this trilogy. I know it's supposed to be like five or six films, but honestly, I think they're going to stop it after this one and, and just cut their losses there. Um, but, but again, we're talking about at least three films, Fantastic Beasts, Morbius, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, possibly The Bad Guys, which is Universal's uh, animated feature. That, that That's upwards of four films in April that could see 100 million domestic. That's a great ramp up as we head into the summer season for sure. I've noticed a huge uptick in people going to theaters. You know, when I was going in January, there were so many times where I was the only person in the theater. I was one of two people. It, this happened, I say, almost half the times in January. And that's just not happening as much in February and March um, at, or at all. Like I'm seeing, you know, where I used to see maybe three people in theaters. Now I'm seeing 12. And I know that's not like, you know, what the major film studios want to hear necessarily, but you are, I am seeing a dramatic increase. And I'm not just talking Batman. I'm talking going to some, I'm, I'm seeing these movies late in their run too. So I'm seeing yeah. a late in a run. I'm seeing a lot of matinees. I'm still seeing people in the theaters, which is not what I saw in January. So I totally agree. I think April for me, especially where 
it's been a real scramble. Oh, this, this is the last two weeks. have been just a disaster trying to find different. Cause I try to see a different movie in the movie theaters every, every day. So having to not repeat myself has been really challenging because there's just nothing coming out. Um, especially this weekend, there's, there's literally nothing. There's no new releases at all. Um, I guess, so. I mean, we'll skip ahead of maybe to the next week where you have three releases. And do you think any of these will hit? We have the outfit, which is uh, the Mark Rylance movie uh, about a tailor and crime. It looks kind of interesting. You have Uma, uh, uh, and then you have, which is a horror movie, and you have The Unbreakable Boy with Zach Levy, which is, uh, let's say, kind of a uh, a family-friendly film of sorts, but I can't imagine that breaking out. Um, in fact, um, I'm not even sure if that is coming out anymore. I was told by Lionsgate that it wasn't. Really? But I've still seen posters in theaters. So if I'm still it is seeing trailers out, as well. Yeah, so if it is coming out, zero advertising, zero knowledge, so I can't see it breaking out. Um, A24 has X coming out, like you said. Again, that's hit or miss. That's serious, artistic, elevated, if that's what you want to call it, horror. And that just doesn't play well to wide audiences. Uma, again, from Sony Pictures, nobody knows about this film. It's it's more like their Studio 6 releases, which nobody went and saw during the pandemic, and nobody's going to go see now. Um, the only film that I think ha might have some success is I think Funimation is putting out uh, the Jujutsu Kaisen film. And we've seen these animated films uh, from Japan really open big at the box office. Um, and I, I think, I believe the distributor had told us 1,500 uh, plus theaters next weekend. Oh, really? I don't know if that's, that's still in effect, but that's what they told us about three or four weeks ago. So again, uh, you know, we could be in a surprise because of that film, a lot of the teen and younger audiences are showing up to these uh, animated films, these anime films. And that's been a, another great surprise for the box office. You know, we've been struggling to find new genres and, and this is definitely one of them. Um, so I think there's gonna be a lot of play um, there, but again, you're right. Why didn't anybody step up and put a film in this week? We've seen so much turnover at, at the box office and, and so many times where we feel like we have momentum and then all of a sudden, none of the studios want to drop a film, you know, and, and they had time. They could have pushed something up into this area. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate for, for moviegoers like yourself and like other people who, who want choices out there. And there just aren't any choices. Like you said, if you're trying to see an older film, well, you've probably seen them all by now, you know? Um, oh yeah. Because, and a lot of these films, when we look at the box office in general, it's very top heavy still, you know, back in the day, like, if I look at the top 12 films, and that's what exhibitor relations usually reports on, the top 12 films at the box office. Well, back in the day, all of those top 12 films were easily over a million dollars. Of course. You know, and now now you're getting into the top 10. Like, only the top six or seven films are even hitting over a million. So there is a big disparity between what's on top right now and what's on bottom of the box office. We're just not there yet, as a lot of people know. Um, I think what you said was was pretty relevant is that yes it's getting closer to normal it's not there yet but like you said it's a microcosm of, of what you've seen is what's happening out there on a national level is that little by little people are starting to come back to theaters and realize that you know it's okay life is returning to normal hopefully by this summer we'll get back up we'll get back up to speed there's a lot of films coming out this summer and we won't have any more of these setbacks like we have this march I was shocked um, doing this with some of the movies that were released. So uh, I saw the, the King's Daughter uh, and I saw The Tiger Rising, which are two of the 
absolute worst films I've ever seen in the theater. They, they might be the, the worst. Uh, the movies that honestly <laughs> have no business being mm-hmm. in a movie theater. Like, they just should never have been released. And it made me shocked that this is what they have on the shelves. Like, this is this is kind of the in case of emergency break glass movies they have like i would have thought we would have had more options um now that tells me either the studio doesn't have much on their shelves or they were just not going to risk anything and um and really just going to throw out just absolute trash which is what those movies were yeah exactly there's always a place for bottom of the rung distributors to say hey look at the release calendar there's nothing there let's just drop this and see what happens and usually it's not good we realize that um but, you know, another thing is the, if we look at where we are after the pandemic, you know, there was a big shutdown in Hollywood in terms of product and making product and having product get made. And that's where we are, you know, uh, a year and a half or two years removed from that. Guess what? We're in a dead zone because those productions were not in production anymore. And that's a time when they would probably be released. If you think about the life of a movie, usually takes two years from shooting it to editing, to to marketing, to being released. So we are in that zone where the pandemic definitely affected the flow of the movie releases that are out there right now. Um, Again, studios have tried to play that differently. And I think to some success, um, um, they've kind of just pushed back things. But, you know, we still have films, at least uh, I think a half dozen films that were supposed to be released in 2020 and 2021 that are still on the calendar, you know, most notably, you know, Top Gun and Minions. Um, these are films that were supposed to come out a long time ago. And, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about Top Gun, them. Uh, actually. Yeah. Um, so should Top Gun be concerned? I mean, the audiences, you know, the films that have broken out, like Scream or, or a few of the other ones, the Batman to some extent, but like these are films that typically play to younger audiences. Top Gun is going to play, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. It's going to play to Gen Xers. It's going to, or, you know, maybe even younger boomers. Like that's who that's going to yeah. mostly appeal to, I think. And I wonder, it, it, should Paramount be really concerned or is Top Gun going to be a thing like Batman more? It's just, it's such a cultural phenomenon and people are just going to go see it no matter what. I, that's what I feel like, and I feel like Tom Cruise has been relevant through his Mission Impossible films. That you know that the other generations know who he is. The millennials, uh, Gen Z, I, I think they get it, and they know that their parents will probably want to take them and experience that film with them, whether they've seen Top Gun and and all the greased up volleyball, you know, right, right. <laughs> scenes that we all remember so well. Um, you know, I just feel like that's one of the outliers that can actually have success, you know, in in, in the same way that Ghostbusters Afterlife had success uh, in terms of bridging a couple generations. And I just think that it's it, Paramount did the right thing holding on to that. And it is a summer release. You always think about Top Gun and what it did, I, I believe, summer of 86. It just played it played all summer long. It was like 20 weeks in theaters, you know, it was the biggest movie that came out that, that year. What's that? It was the number one movie that year for the entire yeah. year. Like that made just was, was a monster. I, I remember being a little kid and it was huge. Yeah. It, and so do I. And I just remember it, it, you know, dropping down in the top five. And then by the end of summer, it came back up by September. I think it was number one again. And that's just how films played in the mid to late eighties. Sometimes if they were really good, like E.T., Indiana Jones, and the last crusade, stand by me, these films just played all summer and it was awesome to see and you know because there's there's certainly not as many films coming out this summer as say 2019 or 2018 
And maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. I think it would be great if like Top Gun and obviously Doctor Strange is going to play all summer. Um, but it would be nice if if we saw, and that's the thing we haven't seen yet, except from a very few, a very select handful of films, actually dominate the box office for a long period of time. Only superhero films like Spider-Man No Way Home have been, and Sing 2 have really been able to do that um, since the since the box the great box office reset. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I did I did notice one thing that came out this week was that Warner Brothers moved a bunch of DC movies uh, around in the schedule. Now it seemed to be that those were because of COVID related delays, which you spoke about earlier. They just had trouble making those movies. Or is there something more afoot here where they're worried about? Like, sh should we be concerned that like the, the box office is going to like collapse again in the fall? I mean, obviously you can't predict COVID, but like how worried, I guess, are the studios where they're moving these around? Or is this, like I said, because they just couldn't make these movies? I really think it was COVID related for these releases. I think there's a lot of visual effects. I have friends that work in the visual effects departments. They are slammed. They are absolutely slammed with the number of projects that are trying to be completed. And, and as we know, when we go to these IMAX and these big large format screenings, we see what's on screen. That's where the money is. It's all these visual effects scenes, all these action scenes, and that takes a lot of time. I don't think we realize how much visual effects works goes into these films to keep these actors safe these days. And, and so many things are shot on green screen. Um, it is a whole nother part of the film business that honestly, you're not supposed to see. You're not supposed to notice that all that work went in there. But when you stay for the credits and you see that visual effects, you know, credits roll, you're like, holy mackerel that is a lot of people and that's just what we run into i think when we talk about aquaman and lost kingdom the flash shazam black adam all these films getting pushed back we're just looking at at, at a very tough visual effects schedule in hollywood right now absolutely last question does the lost city beat batman on march 25th what, what are we thinking god i hope it does it would be nice to see another genre jump up there um i think we're gonna find out a lot about batman in the next couple of weeks, though, how well it holds. If it has one of the best holds, um, like say, you know, Tim Burton's Batman had an amazing hold back in the 80s. Um, and it would be nice. And, and and honestly, it should happen because, again, like we're talking about, there's no other big films opening until The Lost City. Um, I would like to see it happen. Honestly, I think it's going to be pretty close that weekend. I think so, too. Uh, you know, you got Sandra Bullock, uh, Chan Tatum, Brad Pitt, like, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of star power in that movie for a kind of a sillier, like, you know, whatever adventure romancing yeah. the stone type movie. Um, but I think that's also a nice, like change of pace for people. I, I think that could do well. Um, thank you so much, Jeff. Follow Jeff. If you, if you listen to this show, follow Jeff on Twitter at ERC box office. Like I said, he's my favorite film Twitter follow. Um, thanks so much, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. This has been great. It is, of course, still March, which means it is, of course, still budget month. Uh, the good news is I was able to go to the Regal theaters in Newington. I, that's where I saw Death in the Nile. So I already had the Regal Unlimited card, so that didn't cost me anything extra. Um, budget's actually improving. Uh, I'm at $24.97 so far for the entirety of this journey, which would be $36.19 per day or 13208 for the entire year. So I think I've shaved off almost $1,000 uh, from the projected amount just in the, just in, since March. So uh, hopefully we get that 13 into the 12s pretty soon. 
The expense report, of course, is back again, sponsored by Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. I mentioned before how Tom has been helping get the budget back on track, and so far we're doing pretty good. Uh, However, he doesn't just specialize in budgets for 42-year-old guys going to see movies every day. He helps people no matter what stage of life, whether just starting a new job, planning for family expenses, or even setting someone up financially for retirement. Give him a call today to schedule a meeting with him to hear how he can help you. Whether today or sometime in the future, you won't know how he can help until you can hear what he does. Call him at 732-403-7747. Once again, that's Tom Treshock at 732-403-7747 to schedule your meeting today. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Security, LLC, PAS. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Give Tom a call today. He's super easy to talk to, a very friendly guy. He will be happy to help you. Okay, death in the Nile. Uh, This is... uh, Hey, if you saw the murder on the Orient Express movie that Kenneth Branagh put out in 2017, if you really liked it, then you'll really like this. It's very similar in tone. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of a glossy movie. That's There's not a lot there. Um, once you get past kind of the, I guess, the, the stars and the cast, and even that doesn't feel as impressive as the original. Um, this movie has, obviously, Branagh playing Hercule Poirot. We also get Annette Benning. Russell Brand, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, who I think in hindsight, maybe they wouldn't have cast. Um, the, but compared to the other movie, we had Johnny Depp. You had some bigger names, in, I feel, in, in the first one than this one. The other issue with this one is, compared to the first one, is it wasn't shot on location. They did some second unit filming in Egypt. And that basically means um, a crew goes out there without any cast and just, just shoot, shoot some B-roll, more or less. But the rest of this movie was shot in England. And it looks it like there's a whole scene where they're at the pyramids and it looks so green screen and so phony. And I'm like, the whole idea of this movie is it looks great. Like you go to this movie, Death in the Nile, and you know, you're not going to get something that's going to make you think too much. I mean, it's an Agatha Christie mystery. And once you get kind of figure out, you know, who does it at the end, you, you walk home, you know, in theory, happy. But, you know, and you also want like pretty things to look at while you're going on this, this mystery. At least that's kind of how Branagh and I feel like the studio, um, promotes it. Like that's kind of what you're getting here. Uh, but the issue is this isn't even that great to look at. Now, having said that some production design is impressive. The boats they're on are nice, but with this all shot in England, it doesn't feel like you're on this trip with these people. I'm, I'm kind of shocked they did that. You know, this, this isn't a COVID thing either. Uh, photography and this began in September of 2019 and it completed in December. This was all this was all in the can before the pandemic started, just barely. Now, this was held back. They were going to roll this movie out, uh, I believe, a year ago, uh, and they, they kept pushing it. I think the other, you know, wasn't just COVID, also the Army Hammer stuff, where Army Hammers had some bizarre accusations of uh, sexual abuse, but then uh, some cannibalistic things with, with a fetish with him. And it looks like his career is obviously in real trouble here. There was some talk initially with Army Hammer that they wanted to have him replaced in the movie. Uh, similar to what happened with Kevin Spacey when he was replaced by Christopher Plummer in that movie, All the Money in the World. Um, Plummer actually got an Oscar nomination for that, I believe. Uh, but they couldn't do that here because it's such an ensemble. They couldn't do reshoots. Um, you know, when you figure Gal Gadot and then, you know, Annette Bening, Russell Brand, 
especially Godot, I mean, it's just hard to get all those people because all those people in the same shot. Because, you know, with this movie is similar to Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. Part of the fun is you have all these celebrities, although I use celebrities kind of loosely with this movie, I guess, but you have all of these celebrities all kind of in one space together and trying to figure out who did it. That's, that's the fun of, of this type of movie. So if you replace Army Hammer with somebody else, you now have to do reshoots with all of these famous people who have very busy schedules. It just wasn't going to happen. So I know 20th Century uh, had a hard time kind of marketing this, like wondering how much Army Hammer should we include, like how, how best to do that. And unfortunately for Branagh and 20th Century, he is one of the bigger, you know, when they signed him on, he was one of the bigger names to be in this movie. So to not be able to market it with him puts a lot of pressure marketing pressure, if you will, on Gal Gadot. So they kind of made her, if you watch the trailers, they kind of make her front and center in, in the movie, which is fine. She is the biggest star for sure. But I, I think they would have ideally had Army Hammer in a higher profile spot. As far as the movie, it's just, these movies are just so skin deep. There's just nothing there. Um, it, it's, it's a mystery. You find out who did it. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on the genre because there are some very good mysteries. But with this, the characters are just kind of one note. Uh, the Poirot stuff is, is kind of boring. I mean, he's such an old character. There's not a lot of, I don't know, I don't, I don't there's a lot of new places to bring that character. Uh, honestly, a lot of time I'm watching, I'm just kind of frustrated. Like we saw what Branagh can do with things like Belfast. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to see more of, of that quality of film. Something like this, where it's just like fast food, basically. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's nothing you can be, there's not more you can be doing with your time than, than this. So, I don't know. Death and Isle, I'm going to give it a C minus. It's what I gave Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. I gave it the same um, grade when I saw that back in 2017. I don't know. There's not, not a lot there. Okay. I want to talk about After Yang, which is basically the exact opposite of Death in the Nile. But first, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England. They are a proud, family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com. It's kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10. That's TIM10 to get 10% off your first online order. Whether you have a job site, factory, diesel truck shop, power plant, school, or precast concrete plant. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasives, safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pack it, they pick it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. KLJack.com right now. Promo code TIM10, TIM10, 10% off your first online order. Okay, After Yang. After Yang is a great movie. Uh, I'm going to give this an A minus. This is, like I said, the opposite of Death in the Nile, where Death in the Nile is all style and no substance. Uh, After Yang is kind of the opposite. I will say it's a very quiet, slow movie. If you're, if you're in the mood for a more of a blockbuster type movie than After Yang. Save that for another night. But the good news is it is streaming on Showtime right now. Um, you can check it out. So you don't, I know it's not playing in many theaters, so I know it's hard to catch, 
But if you have Showtime, you have the ability to stream Showtime movies, uh, I would say check this one out right away. Okay, After Yang takes place in the near future, it stars Colin Farrell. And it's about a family that has adopted a young Chinese girl uh, back when she was a baby. At the time of when they adopted her, they were able to get an Android to assist with knowing more about the Chinese culture and also just uh, having a companion. It's a, They call it second sibling uh, in, in this movie. The movie has a lot of really clever touches. Um, like I said, it's in the near future, but they don't overwhelm you with that. Um, there are, and everything that's like the futuristic elements are all super believable. Uh, and I thought it was really impressive. Like, they, you know, obviously the cars are all self-driving. Um, and there's just little touches like that that make you still feel like it feels like a very realistic future, maybe 25, 30 years from now. Um, I, I was really, or maybe it's further than that. Would they never tell you the year? And that's perfectly fine because that's not really important to the story. What I really walked away from this movie is what happens is the, the Android, uh, Yang breaks down and, uh, the little girl is probably about seven years old and she's very upset, uh, obviously. And the parents are too, but not as upset as the little girl. Uh, and it kind of questions like, all right, so what is family? And then eventually, you know, like what is grief? Um, cause the robe Yang is, is not, is not operating anymore. And basically, you know, in human terms it would be, would be dead, but he's not a human. So you can tell the parents are struggling with exactly how to feel about that. And then as it goes on, it also asks questions like what is memory? And then it even goes into like the afterlife. And it, it asks these questions and presents some philosophies and theories that are really interesting. I, I really love this movie. Like I said, it's a very quiet, slow moving movie. But if you're interested in some kind of the big questions and kind of like if you want to film with some real depth, some wonderful performances, uh, you can't go wrong with After Yang. Um, it's directed by Ko Ganada. Uh, it's his second film. This film is really inventive. Even the credit sequence uh, up top is is really unique and interesting. This is Koganada's second movie, like I said. Also directed a movie back in 2017 called Columbus with uh, Rory Culkin, John Cho, and Parker Posey. I haven't seen that. After seeing this now, I, I, I desperately want to. Um, like I mentioned, it, it is a slower moving movie, but the good news is it's only 96 minutes, so um, it's not it's not incredibly long. Uh, it's It's kind of like if... Blade Runner had a heart or if like a movie like Bicentennial Man had a brain. Um, that's kind of what you're getting with, with After Yang. If you're interested, if you're interested in, in things like theories about the afterlife or theories about how important memories are or what exactly is a family, as well as, as computers become more and more part of a life. Like at what point does an Android become a family member? And it doesn't do it in a hacky way like Bicentennial Man. It does it in a really thought provoking and understated way. I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I was really, really pleasantly surprised. Like I said, it's on Showtime right now. So check out After Yang uh, if you can. Okay, I will be back on Monday. I will talk to you folks then. 